Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Rush Preview. On today's show, we are discussing all things Duval as the 5-1 Giants are looking to make it six wins for the first time since 2008. We've got a blast from the past, Super Bowl champ and former Giants wide receiver Steve Smith to talk all things receivers. And of course, we're going to get to know our enemy a little better with Ashlyn Sullivan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But much like the Giants, this show is all about teamwork, folks. So allow me to welcome my fellow co-host, New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz and former Giants kicker. The guys kicked you in the Super Bowls, Giants fans, my friend, my teammate, Lawrence Tynes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Guys, looking good. Again, 5-1 Giants. The buzz in New York City is absolutely crazy. I don't know what the Yankees are doing, but I don't know what the Knicks are doing either. But the Jets and Giants are uh, absolutely balling right now. The buzz in New York City is crazy. I mean, you guys just hump, jump in whenever you want. Like, just let's get this thing going. No, it's it's good to be in New York right now if you're a sports fan. Paul, Brandon, it's great to see you guys. As I was coming out of hair and makeup this morning, I chose violence. I'm going to choose violence today because this, this Giants football team that is five and 5-1 is being disrespected nationally. We'll get into it, but they're going down to Jacksonville as underdogs. So anyway, I just want to say you guys look great. It's great to see you. Uh, well, I didn't come out of hair or makeup or wardrobe for that matter. You know, I see um, I'm the only one who's not have anything that just came out of the dry cleaner, but that's okay. <laughs> you know what? The Giants are a gritty, gritty, grimy team, as they said. And I think that's my look for today. Gritty and grimy, right? Okay. Gritty and grimy. That's where we go. All right. Times is choosing violence. Paul's yes. gritty and grimy. Much mm. like this Giants football team. So how do they keep their foot on the gas? How do they come out of this game 6-1? and one? I need y'all's expertise on that one. Listen, there's a lot of cool storylines in this game, right? You've got the Lawrence brothers beating back up, Trevor and Dexter. You've got Josh Allen, not the quarterback, versus Evan Neal or whoever the hell he lines up with, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, Aziz Ajilari, and Trayvon Walker. We're all at Georgia together. But then I, the matchup I'm most interested in is, is, is Kayvon Thibodeau was the fifth pick of this draft. Trayvon Walker was the first, okay? You don't think that's going to motivate Tra- uh, Kayvon a little bit this weekend? I, I can't wait to see where all the draft capital has been spent on both teams, right? Edge rushers, tackles, a lot of cool storylines. And then you have Doug Peterson, the guy who cost us a playoff spot two years ago when he tanked in that last game of the year when he was the head coach at Philly. So, yeah, this this is going to be a fun game. On the road, a hungry Giants team who's not getting a lot of respect, and I expect them to play play very, very well down there. Yeah, uh, Doug Peterson was asked about that. Don't forget, Nate Sudfeld, right? That was the quarterback who we put in. That's the guy. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, they lost to Washington, and the Giants at 6-10 and 10, did not win the division. How about that? I mean, so – that's another story. But uh, Doug Peterson said he did not regret that decision. I'm sure he doesn't. He was a little playful. Um, you know, he delighted in beating the Giants when he was with the Eagles. Let's see if he can do that with the Jaguars. Lawrence, you mentioned the, you know, the draft equity here, right? Evan Neal, number seven in the draft. Andrew Thomas, number four in the draft. Who are they going against? As you said, Trayvon Walker, number one in the draft. 
the other Josh Allen, who I think was seven in the draft, taken right after the Giants took Daniel Jones. Giant fans in 2019 were salivating for Josh Allen, who had 17 sacks at Kentucky, right? At number six, they're saying, we're going to get the guy we want because the Raiders, for some reason, took Clellan Farrell, right? It was all set up for the Giants. And then everyone's thinking at 17, maybe they go for Daniel Jones or another quarterback. The Giants shock everyone by taking Daniel Jones. The Jaguars are thrilled. Tom Coughlin said he did not think Josh Allen would be there. They take him. So there's all these little all these little things in there, which are um, a lot of cool stories. Yeah. A lot of cool stories for a giant Jacksonville uh, matchup, which you wouldn't think would have those well, cool stories. Yeah. One more thing on that note real quick, Paul, is I was thinking about looking at, you know, Andrew Thomas has seen Trayvon Walker before they were, he was a freshman when, when Andrew was a junior. And so naturally I'm sure Andrew kicked his butt right for a couple of years before he went to the NFL. And then obviously you've got the Trevor Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, old teammates at Clemson thing. And then, I just think it's a cool game. A lot of, you know, SEC power and yeah. superstars from college all playing that have probably been playing each other against each other for a very long time. And another Clemson guy you throw in there, Travis Etienne, who got hurt Ooh. last season. And now he's he's getting back to his true Clemson form. Uh, and then another storyline we forgot to throw in there, Evan Ingram. When we're talking about uh, Doug Peterson tanking, if Evan Ingram would have caught that third and what was it, third and one earlier yes. in that season – then we wouldn't have had or the Giants wouldn't have been faced to need the Eagles to win that game. So there's so many storylines. And Evan Ingram's having a pretty decent year for them as well. I think he's got three or four games in a row with at least four catches. He's, he's having himself a pretty decent year for them. But let's go on to because when you talk about putting your foot on the gas and coming out of there six and one and you're going down to Duval, can the Giants, who, where are they going to make their plays or who's going to be their playmakers? It's been these rookies. These rookies have been stepping up for this Giants. Not only defense, Dane Belton and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, but on offense, Wandell came back, scores a touchdown. Daniel Bellinger, back-to-back games with a touchdown. These rookies are stepping up. Do you think that's sustainable on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars team that, yeah, they may have lost three straight, but at any time they can turn on and uh, be that Jacksonville Jaguars team that started off the season 2-1? and I do. I think the Giants can go down there and play very well as as Wandell gets more comfortable. And he didn't even play a, a lot of snaps last week. He played, but he didn't play a ton of snaps. I think that will increase this week. It's going to be hot. It's going to be warm. It's on grass. I think a lot of pro football players enjoy playing on the grass in the heat. I think it's 79 degrees, so not crazy hot, but certainly hotter than East Rutherford. But th- these young guys are stepping up. You know, Bellinger and Wandell and some of these other guys on defense – that's exactly what the Giants have not had in years past is good drafts and guys contributing early, especially with high draft capital like a Wandell Robinson. So Wandell Robinson, guys, I, I look back at the film this week. He was open a lot. Yeah. He looks like a mismatch for anyone in the slot. He's got a, a suddenness to him that I have not seen since probably Victor Cruz with the Giants that can create separation. I mean, he's quick, Brandon. You're a receiver. I He's he's sudden, man. He's he he creates separation, which is what this Giants receiving core has certainly lacked. He'll make you miss in a phone booth. And That's it. Paul, we haven't even seen the best out of mm-hmm. Wandell, right? Because I mean, you just think of the spring, how they used him in the spring, how they were using him all throughout training camp. We haven't even seen the we haven't even scratched the surface yet on what he can add to this offense. He missed, he missed for, you know, five weeks or something, you know, rehabbing. Um, yeah, he looked great in the spring and summer. You know, I look, 
let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's not Tyreek Hill here, okay? But look, this regime, that was the biggest leap of faith, getting this guy, this really short receiver. So, you know, uh, kind of an offensive weapon. So, you know, it's on them. You know, a lot of, really? They're going to trade down and that's who they're going to get? You know, they're going to get a small receiver, but he's got a delightful personality. Uh, He gets it. It's never been too big for him. One of the things I do in my job every year with these rookies, right, is at some point, especially if the team is doing well, which hasn't happened much lately, is you go to these guys and say, you know, are you hitting it? Are you hitting that wall? Are you feeling it? So, you know, Brandon, you asked, you know, is it too much for these guys to go to Jacksonville and play well, these rookies? No, it is early in the season, right? It is, it is only not even midway through their college season last year. So, you know, talk to me in a month or six weeks from now, the Giants are still, are still playing well. You know, are these rookies going to grind down? They're not grinding but down. Any, these guys have Paul, full of right, energy. Paul, anymore, though, it seems like these guys that come from these powerhouse football programs, they play 12, 13 games in a season. Yeah. Training camp, I bet, in the NFL is easier than it is in college. I just don't think that rookie wall exists anymore. I mean, it I could. Don't know. I, I just don't, I, don't think it does. I, you know, I think being a professional, having that on your head, living Stra- in a place The stress of the games – those yes, kind the of mental. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And you also, like when we're talking about a Wandell, like what he's going to add to this offense, remember, we were seeing him in the backfield as well. So it's like you, it's that's one of those injuries where you want I, you don't want to rush him out there, but I want to get him back as close to hundred percent because of what he was going to be relied on or relied upon to add to this offense, getting carries out of the backfield. I mean, you just think when Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones went down and they went, they ran that wildcat for eight plays and got the 18 yards for the field goal, you, they were ready. They had already practiced the, that wildcat and that already kind of implemented that into the training camp. So that's the thing with that package, the I, Mighty Mouse package, that's what I call Wandell. that package when he's in at running back or – you know what I'm saying? He's just he just is going to add so much, especially with guys like I know I don't want to go back into Kadarius Tony and Galladay being out, but Paul, you were at practice yesterday. Those two didn't practice. Are they at least looking like they had taken a step to getting back on the field? No, um, I would say no at this point. Um, you know, Brian Dable was asked, you know, why didn't you just IR Kadarius? You know, he's going to miss four or five games here at least, and he said, no, he's coming back. I think. Um, I think Kenny Galladay got kind of put in a little bit separate category with his knee. You know, I don't even feel any great fervor to get him back at this point, really. But Kader- look, they're going to need Kadarius at some point. You know, it, it's really pointless to talk about those guys. It's, 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 I write about him a little bit. We can talk about him a little bit, obviously, on the podcast. But, you know, you guys know, right? Lawrence, when you were playing, right? Who are the 45 we're playing with this week, right? And let, let's right. rally around those guys. Yeah. And, if you're not playing, whether you're you're a bum or you're hurt or, you know, you're a great guy or your wife's pregnant, you know, and having a baby, whatever it is, it's like you push them to the side and say, OK, we don't need to deal with you this week. And that's what it is with those two receivers. You know, and, you know, maybe Kadarius will come back in three weeks and, and do something. But until then, the Giants have completely moved on from those guys this season and are making it work without them. You're it, having to make it work. Go ahead. Uh, final. Thought. Yeah, no, I was just going to tap in. Like, like Paul said, you can't spend too much time talking about the guys that aren't there. And I think actually there's probably a little bit of a sigh of relief in that building, not playing Galladay because it doesn't look like this is a season long or an injury that's going to tap into next year. Right. So as long as they can keep him healthy, and release him in the offseason. They don't owe him anything next year, right? So there's a little bit of that. Let's play these young guys, and guys are stepping up, and Marcus Williams, and you got all these great young players that actually is exciting to see. So 
let's start, let's only talk about the guys on the field. Talk about yeah. the guys that are field because the receiving core is just it's been such an issue. Everyone's talking about it all throughout social media. So that's why I spoke with former Giants wide receiver Steve Smith to break down the Giants' current receiver situation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Giants receiving core continues to be a major topic of discussion and for some concern all throughout social media. So here's what I'm going to do. Let's bring in a former Giants receiver who knows all about the culture here and has success both in college and the league catching rocks. Let's bring in a familiar face, a longtime familiar face, Super Bowl champ, Steve Smith. Now, Steve, I mean, you've been you've been away from you've been away from New York from for a while, but you still know all about the culture. I talked to Brandon Jacobs, Lawrence Tynes, uh, Jonathan Casillas, all about Giants culture. You've won here. So talk about what you've seen from this current team from a culture standpoint and kind of compare it to some of the most recent years when they've been losing. Oh, well, you know, I see a big turnaround in the team this year so far. I'm really excited watching them. You know, I feel like they have all in a quote unquote tapped in. So like they all buying in, you know what I mean? And they all just believe in one play at a time and, uh, you know, just putting in that work. And it's showing on the field. But for you as a player, how do you tap in to a coach's message? How do you buy in? What do you need to see from that regime? Well, you got to see that, you know, they care. They're focused on the details. They're putting in that work. Um, you know, they're trying to make the team better. You know, they're not just forcing their way. You know, the NFL is evolving game. And Daniel Jones, he's a different quarterback than Eli. So he's an awesome talent. And you got to, you know, work with who you have. Saquon, you know what I mean? And all the talent that we have. And, and the defense is just putting it all together, and it's, it's, it's becoming a, a wonderful thing to watch. Well, that's exactly what Mike Kafka and Brian Dable's been doing. They've been working with Daniel Jones. We continue to see him progress, not only throughout training camp, but throughout the beginning of the season. And he's getting it all done without a true number one wide receiver. So I got to ask you, man, like, is this sustainable throughout a full season? Or do you think with the trade deadline coming up, the Giants are going to be, have to go after a guy to make a run? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say they necessarily have to go after somebody. You know, there's good talent out there like Odell. I think he'll, it would be nice if he came home. But, you know, the guys that we have, I think it's good. You know, we even have Kenny. He's still, you know, trying to work into it more, I, I would say. So um, we have a lot of talent. We just got to hone in on the skills and just, you know, tailor it around their the player's talent. All right, so those players' talents, you mentioned Kenny Galladay. He and Kendarius Toney, they haven't been on the field much just yet. They're Again, they're playing with some undrafted guys and some guys who've kind of been journeymen throughout the league. So a lot of people are saying offensively they're giving the credit to the coaches, the, the, the calls, the schemes, the, the, you know, the, the routes and the formations. So in your eyes, how much of an offensive success is more schemes or more talent? Um, it's a little bit of both. You know, you got to the coaches. They're not out there playing. They, they can't catch. They're not running, you know, so they're just calling the plays and trying to put you in the in that position. Kafka, it's funny. I was with him when I was on the Eagles. He was a backup quarterback, but uh, I saw his his drive and he was like a coach 
out there. So I think that's a great hire for for us. And, um, you know, it's it's more about the players to me executing what the coaches are instilling and calling on those plays. But you're talking about the players, Steve. They don't have, you know, during that time where you were with the Eagles, or Deshaun Jackson, or Steve Smith, they don't have that time when you were with the Bucks. Uh, I forget who you're down there with. So talk about some Vince, of these offensive Vince, coordinators. Vince Victor Cruz. You know, Plaxico Burst again. So, so Kafka and these guys are having to, to kind of to draw things up, draw up these route combinations, these schemes. Four guys who aren't the Victor Cruz's, the Plaxico Burris. Like, take us through one of an uh, install on what that could be like for uh, for not only the Giants but just for an offensive room that doesn't have that premier talent at receiver. Well, you know that's why you have different reads. That's why you have a, a high intelligent quarterback in Daniel Jones. You that's why you got a great running back. So you know you you have your main your number one weapon. You know, which is like shut like Plexico, like in the playoffs, you know, when all else fails, we're going to Plexico. If it's one on one, throw it to him. We might not have that right now on the Giants, but you can you can scheme it up to where you put guys in position that can win their matchups for that day. Smitty! I've been telling Smitty that I'm trying to get him back into the good graces of Giants fans. So we want to bring him back as much as we can because I mean the dude had routes. Instant routes is what I like to call it. All right, let's get up a little bit more and break down this match a little bit more. So, Lawrence, what would you say would be the keys for the game for the Giants to get the dub? Well, we kind of touched on it earlier in the show. It's going to be where all the draft capital has been spent on both teams. It's going to be these edge rushers of Jacksonville versus these tackles that we've drafted with Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. I mean, Josh Allen, seventh pick of the draft, just right after Daniel Jones. And then you've got the number one pick in the draft, Trayvon Walker, um, who's trying to find his way, just like Kayvon. So I'm really looking forward to that matchup in terms of young players, guys that are going to be in this league for a very long time. I think that's going to be the key. Whoever ends up getting the most pressure this week will obviously end up coming out victorious, but certainly that's the matchup I'm most intrigued by. What about you, Paul? Well, uh, you know, can they run the ball? This this uh, Jaguar, they give up less than 90 yards rushing per game. I think 3.6 yards per game. It's going to happen. We've talked about it almost every week. It's going to happen one of these games where a team takes Saquon away. And it's not easy to do. I get that. And, and you know, basically that's why the Giants are struggling in the first halves of all these games because Saquon admittedly says, I'm a slow starter. I have to do a better job early in the games. They don't get him established early, Saquon. And then – you know, they have to rely on him later and, you know, they play better and score more points in the third quarter and especially the fourth quarter. Saquon gets stronger and stronger. But look, the Jaguars, I think, are capable of that. I always think, I don't know about you guys, I always think the Jaguars are better than what they are. You know, when I look at their, at, at their, at their you know, too deep and I look at their depth chart and I say, they're pretty good. You know, they seem like they have good players and, and, and you know, they get off to a good start. Then, they you know, they've got a three-game losing streak, which makes this being an underdog for the Giants, nice. Brian Dable can tee that one up nice. Oh, you know. tee it up. And is, you know how well that'll play in the locker room, Paul. Sure. Yeah, even though the I guys don't will think, eat you know, that they, up. Dable's not that kind of – Dable is, you know, just full speed ahead. I'm not worried about the outside nonsense. He really isn't. But as you guys know in the locker room, when you're 5-1 and one and you're getting you're, – you're an underdog on the road against the Jaguars, he, somebody's going to use it. But I think Saquon – I think, if look, if they can – if Saquon can get his 80, 90, 100, 110 yards, they're going to be in good shape as long as it's bounced because the Jaguars are good at stopping the run. And, look, we haven't seen it for a whole game. If Saquon's limited to 30, 40 yards, which will happen to every running back at some point, can Daniel Jones and those receivers we talked about, can they throw him out of it? We'll see. 
I'm glad you say that because I think that's the weakness on the Jaguars' defense. They're secondary. Tyson yep. Campbell, uh, Andre Sisco, Shaquille Griffin. Remember, Sha- Shaquille Griffin gave up that, that fourth-quarter bomb, go-ahead touchdown to Alec Pierce for the Colts at the end of that game for the Colts to take that go-ahead lead. If I'm Darius Slayton, this is my game. I'm telling all my family to watch this game. Come on, matter of fact, I even fly y'all out if I have to. Mm. He, this is his game because he can take advantage of the corners they have on that outside. Again, you, like you said, uh, Tynes, offensive line is going to have to hold up. We know about that matchup in the interior, in the trenches. But if Daniel Jones can have time, I see him in this Giants receiving core picking apart this Jacksonville Jaguars secondary. This is their game. I mean, look what they did to the Packers with the DBs that they had. I, I see the schemes and the concepts of, of a Brian Dable, of a uh, Kafka, being drawn up so he can get the most out of these receivers. And this is a receiver's game. Say what you want. They can have one of the worst passing offenses in the NFL. It doesn't matter. Each game is individualized. You come into it. You scheme up against guys. And I think they're scheming up with dollar signs written up on that each player in that uh, Jacksonville Jaguars secondary. That's just my opinion on that one. But I'd be remiss if we don't talk about the weapons that the Jaguars have outside of their front seven. Hey, one more quick note, Brandon. Let me me jump in here real quick on this rush defense that everyone's talked about. Stats can lie to you. And and I did a deep dive into into this Jacksonville team and why are they so good against the run ball? Are they? Because they've played Indy twice. Indy's got the 29th ranked rushing offense in the NFL. They played them twice. Jonathan Taylor only had five carries in the first half and four in the second in the first game because they got their butts kicked. They were down 24 zip. You don't run the football. Austin Eckler, four carries. Okay. You go down the list. The two running backs, they played, they played the 29th, the 25th, the 24th, and the 22nd ranked rush offenses in the NFL. Oh, by the way, they played the Eagles. Fifth-ranked rushing offense in the NFL. They hung 210 yards on them. The Giants ranked fourth in rushing, guys. So don't let these stats lie to you. I guarantee you, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, they looked at this team and said, we can run the football against them. Mm. They're going to have to. But these stats are a little misleading, okay? Miles Sanders had 130 yards, two touchdowns against them. I would put Saquon in that category. Jonathan Taylor didn't really run the ball against them. In the two games they played, obviously, he missed last week. So if you look at the other guys, you know, the kid Damian Pierce from Houston had almost 100 yards on him. I think 2-6 is a little bit better than all these guys we've mentioned, maybe with outside of Jonathan Taylor. So let's uh, pump the brakes there. Don't get too scared. The Giants can run against this football team. They haven't played anybody. And that's going to open it up on the outside for those receivers. Again, if I'm Darius Slayton, this is where I get my deep shots. This is that ball because they have to hit on big plays outside of the run game. They have to hit. A big play is considered a a catch or a run over 20 yards. I think they need at least two big plays in the passing game this game. But let's transition to talk about the Jaguars' weapons because, I mean, you look at the offseason they had. They brought in Christian Kirk. They brought in uh, Evan Ingram. They they brought in a lot of guys to kind of help Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne's back, uh, Robinson's back off injury as well. Paul, does that kind of not so much scare you or do this Jags have enough weapons to beat the New York Giants? They have enough weapons, sure. And, you know, they have a quarterback. You know, you think of it, guys, right? And and when you're playing the league, it's, it, it's where do you go? You know, what situation are you in? Who are your coaches? Who are the players around you? And then you think of Trevor Lawrence, who was 
you know, I guess I was talking about this with my son the other day. Is he, is he the, was the most heralded prospect quarterback coming out of the draft since probably Andrew Luck, I would say, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, a kind of can't miss number one. Every team wants him. I mean, great player. He was a freshman at Clemson. He could have he been the number one pick coming out his freshman year. And he gets in that complete ridiculous situation and Urban Meyer. And it's just, you know, it set him back. Doug Peterson knows how to develop quarterbacks. So I think Trevor Lawrence is in a great place there. He has weapons. You mentioned Travis Etienne, who is a running back who can bust open a game. The receivers are good enough. Evan Ingram is doing a lot of Evan Ingram things. He has no touchdowns. He's averaging less than 10 yards a catch. They paid him one year, 9 million bucks. So, you know, I don't know what they're thinking in Jacksonville about that, but um, you know, that's good coin for a tight end who's not getting in the end zone right now. I'm sure Evan, is, who's a class act, we've talked about him for the last yeah. few years here. I'm sure he's dying to get in the end zone against the Giants. Uh, you know, the Jaguars, when you look at them, they score points. You know, sometimes, you know, they're kind of up and down, up and down. Uh, uh, Lawrence has, what, four interceptions, but he can run, he can throw. He's a superhero, I think, waiting to emerge. Don't you think so? I mean, I'm not down on Trevor Lawrence at all. No, I went to Jacksonville Jaguars website last night, guys, and watched his interview. And what a sharp kid, yeah. very respectful young man to the media. He thanked them after he got done talking to him. This kid's a superstar in the waiting. Jacksonville, this is really his rookie season, if you think about it. Last year was a lost season with that idiot head coach they had, Urban Meyer. What an idiot that guy was. He's not a good football coach. He left. This is his rookie season. And if you look at it, he had the four fumbles against the Eagles. Bad weather game. Evan Ingram is a friend of the show, and we love him. Evan Ingram is Evan Ingram, though. You know, I think, I don't know if the moment will be too big for him playing his old team, how much emotion he's going to put into it, but this is not the same coaching staff. It's always different when it's not the same coaching staff. But one thing I'll notice, guys, Evan Ingram's had 11 catches in the last two games, and he's only got 24 on the season. So he is getting more and more involved as this season goes on. So I look for Evan Ingram to to kind of have a nice game because the one thing we've struggled with is what tight ends, tight ends, right? So Evan Ingram, I think he's probably licking his chops this week to go ahead and get five, six, seven catches against this Giants defense. And if you look at it, Evan Ingram has 208 receiving yards on the year. That's more than the Giants leading receiver. And over half of those game. Brandon are in the last two football games. So he's starting to, they're starting to feature him more and more. And if you look at the Ravens game, the Ravens, Kind of similarly built type offense that, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, they're different in terms of skill set. But they want to run the ball. They both have two-headed monsters in the backfield. And if you think about where, where did Mark Andrews hurt us? Up mm. the seam, catching that ball up the seam. Now, I'm not trying to compare Mark Andrews to Evan Ingram. But again, like you said, he's getting involved in that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And if he, he's always been a mismatch. It's just all about him catching the football. But let's go into that Jags run game because, I mean, Travis Etienne, James Robinson. James Robinson's on my fantasy. First two games, he he ran wild. And the Giants' run defense, they've struggled. So how do you think Wink is going to go into this game trying to stop the run but also understanding that you've got a mobile enough quarterback behind that run game as well? You know, it's give and take, right? You know, if you want to have six defensive backs out there, you know, and you're playing a lighter, faster, you know, more flow type of defense, you've got to give up something. And when you give up is some bulk, you know, has Jalen Smith taken that step to be the, the, the second 
inside linebacker with Tate Crowder. You know, Tate Crowder's snaps have gone down a little bit. So, I, you know, I think Wink is, I wouldn't say struggling with that, but I'm, I'm sure Wink every week thinks, what's my give and take here? What's my give and take here? He's still the number one blitzing defensive coordinator in the league. Um, sometimes it doesn't seem like it because I think you expect him to blitz on literally every play. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence has been great. Kayvon, I think, is a very capable run stopper. You know, Leonard Williams being back, I think that could make a big difference, you know, because Leonard Williams missed a couple of games. And um, last week, God bless him. You know, Leonard Williams, you figure he's going to have a, be on a pitch count. What, he played 90% of the snaps yeah. last week? I mean, Leonard was a big cat. I mean, he a lot of the stuff we heard about him and this and that and the Jets and he's too, you know, easygoing and this and that. He just plays. You know, he doesn't. You know, you know, you know, he's a guy who's not really a superstar, but he's a, a, a very prominent player in the locker room. And you can just go up to, and talk to Leonard Williams at any point. He like is doesn't play. He's just not a big timer in that way. He'll just talk to you kind of just <clears throat> roll. Yeah. What do you want to ask me? That's fine. You know, it doesn't bother him. So he'll be better this week, I think. And um, I think that, you know, that in itself can help the run uh, run defense. Yeah. Th- these two backs are scary. There's three. Actually, Hasty had a 61 yard hey, carry man. against the Colts on Sunday. And they hit you, and they all have, you know, a different skill set. Robinson is tough. Uh, you can see why he's featured. ETN's coming along from after the injury last year. You know, I, I kind of went back and I said, you know, what can we compare this game to? And, and do we put Trevor Lawrence in the same category as Carson Wentz early in his career? And the only reason I say that is because Doug Peterson was coaching the Eagles in 2020 against a Wink Martindale defense with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. So I kind of went back and looked at, like, what did they do? Well, they got down, like, 24 to to 6 late in the game. Philly comes all the way back and gets it to a a one-score game and goes for two at the end of the game. If you guys remember that game two years ago, that's what they did. So, you know, if you're trying to put together the puzzle – this is kind of what Doug Peterson is going to try and do. He's seen Wink's defense within the last two years. I picture them going – to these backs a lot, Brandon. If I was the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I am hitting ETN and Robinson and Hasty out of the backfield on swing passes because that is a play that Trevor Lawrence has made in his sleep at Clemson. And don't forget, guys, he's mobile. This guy can really move. They have not featured that yet, but we all remember the big long run against Ohio State in one of those national championship games. He can run, and I think – Doug Peterson's going to start to add that element to his game because you might have saw it this week watching film with, with Daniel Jones, right? So Trevor Lawrence can run. And so this team can be dangerous. Christian Kirk's a great player. I think Agnew's out. But Evan Ingram, guys, be wary of his speed. We have all we all know how fast he is. He can get up that seam in a hurry. And we don't really have a linebacker that can cover Evan Ingram. And going back to Trevor Lawrence being being able to run and being mobile, like you saw the times where Lamar Jackson did get out of the pocket. We're sitting there holding our breath. He made some throws where the Giants secondary closed in and had some batted balls. But I just see Trevor Lawrence being more accurate on the run than a Lamar Jackson. And, yeah, the, the, the best – the only thing that can stop great coverage is a great throw. There's no coverage for a great throw. So Trevor Lawrence is definitely, we're going to have to keep his eye on him and, and contain him and keep him in that pocket to be a pocket passer. And like you said, that you follow the puzzle, Tyne. So this game will not only be a puzzle, but it's going, to be, it's going to be a huge test for the Giants. So we've talked Giants football. Let's see how the folks down in Duval think of the Giants in this week's Know Your Enemy. 
It's time for another edition of Know Your Enemy. This week, we have Jaguars team reporter Ashlyn Sullivan, and she's going to break down all things Duval when it comes to matching up against the Giants. Ashlyn, first and foremost, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And let's talk about the Jaguars offense because you guys brought in a lot of weapons to the offense during the offseason and got some guys back healthy. They're balling. They're making plays. So what are your keys to the Jaguars' offense attacking the Giants' D? Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Brandon. Thank you for having me. I'll go back to last week against the Colts. The Jaguars put up 27 points on the board against the Colts. It wasn't enough to get the win, but that was the most effective we've seen this Jaguars' offense since week three when they upset the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. And I'll say this. Coach Peterson wants this offense to be pass-heavy. He wants quarterback Trevor Lawrence to get to a point where he can be a lethal packing passing attack in the NFL with that said they're not quite there yet so they need the running game to help out a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence the Jaguars rushing for over 200 yards last week they want to get Travis Etienne and James Robinson going to ease the pressure off of Trevor so then that frees up that big time throw hopefully in the second quarter to give the Jaguars the lead possibly but right now, they're trying to figure out that balance of running versus pass and what that looks like. It looks like they're going to have more runs called against the Giants here on Sunday. And that can help them out because the Giants struggled against the run against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Drake, they all rushed for a combined 211 yards. But one thing Wink Martindale's doing a great job of, he's blitzing around 40% of the time on the season. He's getting pressure on quarterbacks. Do you think Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense are going to be able to neutralize and attack that Wink Martindale blitz package? Yeah, I think truthfully, I think it's going to be tough for Trevor Lawrence on Sunday against the Giants. The Jaguars offensive line has seen good fronts. They saw them against the Eagles, against the Commanders, but they haven't seen a front like this, I don't think, so far this season. With that said, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, he already has some trouble with patience in the pocket. A lot of times we hear Coach Peterson say, just settle down, Trevor, let the play progress. We know with young quarterbacks, their internal clock goes fast. With Trevor, I think it goes even quicker. So I'm very curious to see this week when you do face pressure like the Giants defensive front, how much does that speed up Trevor's already quick internal clock? And, you know, he has he has the legs to make plays happen. Trevor does. But a lot of times I think he bails to that too quickly. So we would like to see Trevor Lawrence have patience against the Giants on Sunday. Let the play progress, knowing that pressure is going to come and it's going to come quickly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting watching that chess match. But let's riverside it. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. It's no secret, Jaguars defense is stout, top three in the league against the run. The Giants want to run the ball with Saquon Barkley defensively. How do you think the Jaguars defense is going to match up against the Giants run game? I think very well, and I think that's going to be key to this game on Sunday. Like you said, the Jaguars are in the top three in run defense in the league, and that was something we go back to OTAs and training camp. They said they want to hang their hat on stopping the run. You have to do that in the AFC South when you have guys like Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, and they've done very well stopping the run so far this season. With that said, head coach Doug Peterson is very familiar with Saquon Barkley. I think he said he faced him 13 times in his coaching career. And he said with Saquon Barkley, you have to stay so patient. You can get a little cocky, feeling good. Okay, we stopped him three yards, four yards, three yards. And all of a sudden, he'll break a 50-yarder on you. And it says it's incredibly humbling with Saquon Barkley. You have to keep him in mind for every single play. You can't think, oh, we stopped the run. Let's settle down. He is a guy that can hurt you in the third quarter when you really haven't seen him so far this game. So with that said, yes, the Jaguars are doing well stopping the run, but Saquon Barkley, I think we all know, is a different cat. 
Okay, well, he's familiar with Saquon. Won't call them BFFs. You know, we could just call them uh, uh, natural-born football enemies. But is there anyone within this Giants offense outside of Saquon or even Daniel Jones that could do damage to the Jaguars? Right now in Jacksonville, I would say fans and really inside this building, a little worried about the Jaguars' passing defense. So with that said, I think these Giants receive Asterius Slayton for sure. Last week against the Colts, the Jaguars struggled greatly stopping the passing attack for the Colts. And truthfully, the Colts really picked on cornerback Shaquille Griffin. You could just see that Matt Ryan was targeting him, and Shaquille Griffin could not stop it. So there's a lot of talk in Jacksonville this week. Will Trey Herndon start? Will Shaquille Griffin play? We're not so sure right now. But until the Jaguars can prove they can shut down big-time receivers, we know what the Giants are going to do. They're going to pick on these cornerbacks because the past two weeks they haven't been able to do so. It's those short passes, those crossing routes that have really given the Jaguars trouble the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, we say tape doesn't lie. They put it on tape that they can't stop that. So, yeah, I think the Giants receivers should go into this game confident because the passing attack for the Jaguars hasn't been the best. So, yeah, I think in Jacksonville we're a little worried about the receivers for the Giants for sure. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that this could be that breakout game for the Giants receivers. Uh, we've The Giants receivers have been all throughout the media uh, because – Lack of production, per se, but this could be that game. Uh, last but not least, is there a Jaguars player that could play above and beyond the scouting report and uh, could hurt this Giants, whether it's offense or defense? We're still trying to figure out running back Travis Etienne. He was a first-round draft pick. He missed all of last season with an injury, so really he's trying to balance right now being a second-year player, but but also being a rookie in some sense. He hasn't had a lot of game action the past two weeks. Travis Etienne has been a game changer for the Jaguars. He's a running back. He's a playmaker. We don't even really know what to call him. He's that Swiss Army knife weapon on offense, and he broke out a 49-yard run against the Colts last week. This is a guy that it's so obvious. He's getting so much more confident week to week. We're seeing that production grow week to week, and I think the Jaguars' offensive staff is getting pretty creative on how to use him. So I think uh, Giants fans should watch out for him because we all expect that progression to grow against this week against the Giants. Hey, thanks again, Ashlyn, for joining us. I really like when I asked her about Trevor Lawrence against the Blitz. She started off talking about the Jaguars' offensive line versus the Blitz because we always think it's on the quarterback, but no, it's on the offensive line to communicate, make those calls. So that chess match, that game within the game, is going to be something interesting to watch. But it's time for some predictions. Uh, prediction time. Jags receiver over under 65 yards. Why? Go. That was very nice there, Reverend London. Um, <laughs> I am going to say yes, because the Giants have allowed us a receiver over 65 yards in five of their six games. So, yes, a Jacksonville Jaguars receiver will have over 65 yards. I say yes as well. You know, the play fakes, you know, look, Trevor Lawrence has got an arm, man. Yeah, he's got a he's got an arm, either whether it's a catch and run or just over the top. Look, the Giants are not exactly a, a vice grip defense here. They bend, they don't break a lot, but they bend. Um, you know, the yardage I don't think seems to bother them that much. So I say yes over. I'm saying no. i I have all my faith in the Giants Ooh. secondary. At, again, at the beginning of the year, we talked about that being a question mark. They've played lights out throughout the course of these last three weeks. So let's go Jags rushing, 170 yards over under go. Ooh, that's a big number. Giants, you know, like Paul said, bend but don't break. They kind of give a little bit of yardage in the run game. I say they hold them under this week, even though, you know, the Giants are rolling out there with the fourth or fifth worst rushing defense in the league. 
but they're f- somehow five and one. So I say I think they hold them under down there in the heat down there in Jacksonville. All right, I don't know. I don't like where this is going. I don't like agreeing with the kicker every one here. So we got to <laughs> you, you know split this road at some point. But um, I say under one seventy is a good number, right? That's a big number. You know, I was That's thinking more like one forty five, one fifty. One, they better hold them all under one seventy. Uh, the only caveat is if. You know, this is the game that the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, you know, runs for 40, 50 yards. And that, you know, that's what happened last week with Lamar. It inflated that rushing because he rushes for 70 yards. He just does. Um, But I still say under. Drake, Dobbins, and Lamar all combined for 211 yards rushing. I'm going under on this one. Like you said, Big Cat got a game under his belt. That Giants interior defensive line, I I feel as though they're going to contain and stop the run this week. Evan Ingram, 3.5 catches. This should be interesting. Go. You know, friend of the show. We love Evan. We loved him as a giant. I'm going to say over. Like I said, he's had 11 catches in his last two games. I think they will feature him. Doug Peterson knows what this means to him. Evan Ingram is going to get open against our linebackers. Now, I don't know if they'll put McKinney on him. Different story. But I certainly think Evan Ingram has more than three and a half catches. That line's too low. Over. I mean, this is killing me with Lawrence here. Over. I it, I would I would bet some money on over there. Look, first of all, Doug yeah. Peterson knows what this means to him. Doesn't mean he's incredibly effective if he catches four passes in the game. You know, four passes for thirty-five yards. You know, as long as there's no touchdowns. Yeah. But that's a low number. I go over. I say over as well. I got him at six catches, and I think he's going to score. I think it's going to be one of those games where he is going to get his first touchdown of the season against the New York Giants. All right, let's flip it over to the Giants side of things. Giants predictions. Saquon Barkley, 75 yards, over, under. Can, can I Easy go money. Well, hold, Easy. On, hold on, hold on. You go ahead. You can I go, go first? Ahead, Paul. Yes, I go ahead. I, I, but I want to go first here. Now, what is it? Saquon over what? 75 yards? 75 yards. I'm going to go under. Okay, no, I'm going to go under. No, no, I, I, look, I think Giants are going to have to have one game this season where they have to throw their way into a victory, okay? This could be it. I'm saying under. He's not going to have 75 yards every game. That's not the way it works in the NFL. So Saquon might have five catches for 80 yards, but I'm going to say under 75 rushing yards. Time. Now, are these just yards or rushing yards? Rushing yards, rushing yards. Absolutely. Saquon Barkley. I think he goes well over 75 yards against this defense because they're going to make it a point to say this is the third-ranked defense in the league. My, you know what? It's not. The Giants are going to shove it right up in there. Let's move along. All Come right. On, it's a family yeah. podcast. Jeez. <laughs> it's, I, I didn't. I didn't use any language. Yeah, he cut it short. You know, we're we're, we're friendly on here. We 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 yes. leave things out. And uh, yeah, I got him on the over. I think this is an MVP type caliber game for him, and yeah. he's having that type of season. Daniel Jones sacked 1.5 times. Go. Unfortunately, yes. I think Daniel Jones. This until this Giants offensive line proves to me that you know we have 19 sacks through six games. That's a little bit better than three per game on average. I say yes until they prove me otherwise. He's going to be sacked more than 1.5 times. I say yes. And, you know, it's not terrible. You know what I mean? Sometimes, as you know, coaches have said, a sack is the best play. If you can't throw it away, you don't want to throw it into coverage. You don't want to, you know, trying to escape the pocket and fumble the ball. Daniel has been really good with ball security. So, Yes, he will be sacked more than, you know, he'll be sacked at least twice. And like I said, that's not devastating. It depends on where it is, time of game, field position, that stuff. And if you get sacked, hold on to the darn ball. I got to be the one that goes under. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense has been getting hit with a lot of quick game. A lot of teams are throwing quick games, getting the ball out fast, quick. And the, and again, that's just going to set up the deeper passes. But I'm 
I just got a feeling, I'm gonna go under on this one. It's gonna be an Evan Neal day. Last but not least, Giants pass catchers. Two catches over 20 yards, over under, go. Well, this is a great question because the Giants don't have many 20 plus catches all season. Having said that, this Jaguars defense has allowed 15 such instances this season. 15 times the receivers caught the ball or a back and went more than 20 yards. Five against the Commanders. Absolutely over. I don't know who it's going to be. Wandell for sure. I'll name one. We're going to have more than two catches over 20 yards this game against the Jaguars. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under. Look, the, Brandon, don't. Come on. This is not the Just greatest show Shaq on Griffin. Turkey. Shaq Griffin. You know, I'm talking him to all a receiver game. here. You're like incredulous about this. Look who he's throwing to. I mean, they had some nice stories out there, but have they beat anyone over the top yet? You know, you know, the catch and runs are like catch it for six yards and run for seven more. And, you know, you have a 13-yard gain here. Slants don't get a lot of, you know, this is not Odell on a slant here, right? So I'm going to say under. I wouldn't be shocked if it goes over, but until they prove they'll do it, I'll say under. I'm going to say over on this one. Daniel Bellinger is going to have a career high in terms of uh, a catch for yardage. And then I think Darius Slayton, I, again, he's going to have two big plays this game alone. I hope I'm right. All right, those are predictions. Let's get into the extra point. Final thoughts. Who wants to go first on that one? So this is a big game for a lot of reasons. Every game the Giants play is going to be a big game, especially at 5-1. Jacksonville's a talented football team. There's no question they have a much better coach this year than Doug Peterson. There will be a lot of blue in the stands, guys. You know, every time you go to Florida, Giants Nation shows up. Jacksonville has a stadium where they have people dressed up as tarps. No, those are tarps because they can't fill the stadium. The Giants are going to go down in the heat, in the sun, get to 6-1, and one, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-20. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a dogfight. The Giants are going to win this football game. No question about it and move to 6-1. and one. I have a guarantee, okay? Mm. The, if, the, if the Giants lose, it will not be because they're overconfident or overlook this team or are feeling too high and mighty. I don't get any sense of that with the Giants. None. You know, now, is there a sense of desperation? No, but if they were one and five, they wouldn't be desperate. They'd just be lousy. I think the Giants win the game. And I think I have an inkling it's going to be a little more high scoring than what we've seen. I don't know if both teams in the 30s, but both teams maybe over 25. I just think this could be a little more freewheeling. Maybe, uh, you know, the Jacksonville has some has some weapons. Trevor Lawrence is really good. Um, so I think maybe like a 28-24 kind of game or something like that. But Giants getting two and a half points, I think, is a pretty good deal there. I really do. Yeah, I see the Giants winning this game. I agree with you guys. I don't know how it's going to happen. This team has shown that they can come back. They, they, they find ways to get scrappy or grimy and gritty, as you said earlier in the podcast, Paul, to find a win. It's a day where if you're a Giants receiver and you go on social media and you see everyone talking about, oh, well, should they bring in DJ Moore, Odell, you take offense to that. And you go out there, and this is the game where you're going to say, why do we need a, a DJ Moore or Odell? You have a me. I'm in the building. So this is the game where a Giants receiver can really separate himself and show that he's at least a, a wide receiver one and a half. What they do after that, then they just, you know, it, whatever they do after that in terms of trade. But it is the, a day for the Giants passing game. That's a wrap on today. If you enjoyed today's episode, check this out. We're doing a live show this Sunday after the Giants game. Myself, David Tyree, and Jake Brown will be at the Pilsner House in Hoboken. The show starts at 5 p.m. So get there. Get early. Get yourself a pint. 
And we want to thank everyone for watching and listening to this episode of the Blue Rush Podcast, our New York Giants show. Please subscribe to Blue Rush on Spotify, Apple, whichever podcast platform you get your podcast. Make sure to follow NY Post Sports and SNY's YouTube channels for all videos from Blue Rush. New episodes of the show drop Monday morning following Giants games and Thursdays previewing the week ahead. For Paul Schwartz, Lawrence Tynes, I'm Brandon London. We're going to catch you all on another episode of Blue Rush.